we get in this habit of over-focusing on others. And so when we're doing that, we're not paying attention to what we need, what our bodies need. We're not paying attention to our intuition. So over time, that leads to mistrust and distrust in ourselves, distrust in others because we don't know what to expect from them. It leads to a complete disconnect from us. And we know how that feels, not good. And so then it's just this constant energy drain. Welcome back, everyone, to Diary of an Empath. So today's episode, I have been getting a lot of requests. This podcast is called Diary of an Empath, and I've been getting a lot of questions about what is the empath? How do I know I'm an empath? And what do I do if I am? So my next guest is Kristen Schwartz. She is a mental health practitioner with degrees in both counseling and psychology and a certification in trauma recovery. And she's also an author and a podcaster. She's like the empath guru. And, you know, Kristen, I feel like we actually have a lot in common, but thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm so humbled and I'm I'm super excited to have this conversation with you. Well, thank you for having me. I'm so grateful to be here. I saw that you got into the mental health field much like I did. I became a licensed clinical mm-hmm. social worker just like you. I'm an empath. So I feel like we definitely have some things in common. So tell me about your upbringing. How did you get into this field and how did you kind of get into this discovery that you were an empath? Yeah, great question. So I knew by the eighth grade that I wanted to go into psychology. Um, How I came to that decision kind of is unique, though. I didn't make that decision because I was really interested in helping others at that point. At that point, I was trying to figure out that I I thought if I could figure out how other people's brains worked, that it would save me from future pain. Like I was really trying to understand what is it about humans that cause other humans pain. So I was trying to figure out the brain and the inner workings. And I thought maybe if I could do that, I could save myself from future trauma. Because mm-hmm. by the time I was in eighth grade, I'd endured a lot, some of my, my big traumas. So that's it was more survival than anything. Same things. When I was going into like eighth, ninth grade, around 13, a lot of trauma there, a lot of issues with, you know, how I grew up with my mom, how I grew up, well, lack of growing up with my father. And so for me, it was like navigating all this trauma responses. And I was so in tuned with how other people would respond to me. I was so in tuned with body language, tones of voice that. I grew up really interested, just like you, in the mental health field. And looking back at it, I do feel like it was a survival tactic for me, too. And it really has helped me navigate, you know, how relationships are, how I navigate with my communication. So much like you, I experienced a lot of the same things. Now, let's start with the basics. What is an empath? Because a lot of people are listening and they might think that they're an empath or maybe they've never heard the term empath, but they're kind of resonating with some of these things. So what is the best way that you can describe an empath if you were going <laughs> to compact it down and into a conversation? So an empath is basically a label. It's just a label that describes a person who is highly attuned, highly perceptive, um, and also feels other people's feelings and emotions within their own body. So that's to keep it really simple. Yeah. And I think that a lot of people 
go through life, even early adulthood, and they really don't understand what being an empath really is. Like they're feeling all these emotions. Mm -hmm. For me, I was feeling stuff that I just had no idea that it wasn't my emotions. I was always just so sensitive and I really didn't like it. I thought it was a curse. I didn't like the fact that I was always so sensitive. I didn't like the fact that I would get into relationships and I was always overthinking or I was just feeling so passionate. I thought there was something wrong with me. Um, Now, you're married with kids, right? How many kids do you have? Yeah, two kids. I have two. I have a girl and a boy. Yeah. And so how do you manage this, just the day-to-day stress? Because we talk about being an empath, how it can be very overwhelming. So as you started to navigate life, going through school, getting married, having kids, how do you recharge? How do you navigate taking in all these emotions? Yeah. So I will say this, um, the first, the beginning years before I really had a deep understanding of who I was, why I experienced the world like I did, um, I struggled deeply struggled um, with the lack of sleep. And then still I was in that coping phase of my life. So I was hyperproductive, pushing myself to succeed, not giving myself downtime and rest. So um, it was pretty brutal the first probably six or seven years. Now, how do I navigate it? I changed the way that I live. Once I figured out um, that I was highly sensitive, that I was an empath, and I started actively healing my trauma. It was like I had two things going on at once. I I was working towards empowerment in terms of being an empath. So I knew I had to change the way that I lived. And in the same time, simultaneously, I was healing the trauma that was also keeping me in the state of hypersensitivity, which really had nothing to do with my highly sensitive nature. So I really had to figure out the difference between the two and nurture and care for myself to heal the trauma, but then also figure out ways that I could build compassion, acceptance, and nurture the side of me that wasn't broken, that was supposed to be this highly sensitive, amazing person. And once I did that, now it's just there's this non-negotiable care that I make sure I'm giving myself every single day. And as long as I'm keeping that cup full or fairly full, then it's not that big of a deal now to pour into my children. And there'll be times, sure, that I'm overwhelmed, especially in the teen years. There's a lot more of an energy hole there because they're learning about themselves and struggling too. So I just have to be consistent, consistently persistent with my care. I love that. I have a 13-year-old, so I understand the challenges of what comes with this age, especially as a highly sensitive mother. I I tend to be probably more on the empath side than my daughter. She's very logical. She's very empathic, but she's very like black and white. Whereas me, I see the rainbows and the butterflies and everything that I do. (laughs) And what I love is you mentioned knowing the difference between being accepting of uh, being an empath or a highly sensitive person, Mm -hmm. but also navigating the difference between maybe when you're being activated by your trauma and really exploring those things. Because I think for those of us that have trauma, we don't tend to deal with it. And I'm not saying this is a very blanket statement, right? I'm not saying that everybody does this, but humans naturally, we don't want to deal with anything that's uncomfortable and trauma is uncomfortable. So a lot of times we push it to the side and I have found, especially with dealing with some of my clients, 
that they went 20, 30, sometimes 40 years without dealing with their shit. And now for the first time, they're uncovering, not only they're going through the spiritual awakening, but now they're uncovering all this trauma. And it's quite overwhelming Mm -hmm. for a lot of people because they're navigating, well, who am I? Who am I if I'm not this traumatized person, if now I'm dealing with this trauma, now I have to rediscover who I am without the trauma or with this, you know, dealing with the trauma process. And now I'm discovering who I am as an empath. So it can be very overwhelming. So what I love is how you talked about, you have to keep your cup full because if you are not giving your full self, you can't be the best mother, the best wife, the best friend, the best father, or, you know, whoever you are to other people, mm-hmm. you can't show up for yourself. How can you show up for, for other people if you can't fully show up for yourself? So I, I love right. that. Um, you talked about how sometimes it was very draining. Why is it that some empaths or people who are highly sensitive feel so drained or go through life feeling really drained at times? I find that it's it was very, very hard for me. So what has your experience been in that? Side note, did you guys know that I'm not only a therapist, but I'm also a professional tarot reader? It's not exactly me hovering over a crystal ball telling your future. It's a tool to connect with your guides and your higher self to help you in certain areas of your life. Tarot genuinely changed my life and it can potentially change yours too. Click on the link in this podcast for more info. Okay, back to the podcast. I will say this, I think a good majority of empaths and highly sensitive people, the reason why they struggle or feel drained a lot is because they're spending the majority of their energy focused on other people and other people's energy. So when we're always looking around at other people, and I get it, right? Because I've been there where you're looking around going, oh, what? what am I going to feel next? Or what's going on with that person? Or like, ooh, I noticed something about that person. And then we just like zone in. We get in this habit of over-focusing on others. And so when we're doing that, we're not paying attention to what we need, what our bodies need. We're not paying attention to our intuition. So over time, that leads to mistrust and distrust in ourselves, distrust in others because we don't know what to expect from them. It leads to a complete disconnect from us. And we know how that feels. Not good. And so then it's just this constant energy drain. I find that for me, and I've gotten better at it, but navigating through my journey of knowing what an empath is, I was always giving, giving, giving. You know, I I worked in the mental health field. I was always helping people in some way. People always come to me for advice. I was a people pleaser. So I was always outputting all this energy. And even now I still struggle with the self-care and with making time for myself, grounding my energy and making sure to keep my cup full. And I think that a lot of people, they even will absorb energy that doesn't belong to them because I I look at empaths like emotional sponges. We're just absorbing all of this stuff that doesn't belong to us, emotions, energy. And it's like, no wonder why you're overwhelmed. No wonder why you're drained. So what are some solid ways? Because I like to give my listeners really solid tools that they can keep in their toolbox and take out when they need it. So for someone who's listening and they're saying, oh my God, that's me. I'm drained all the time, but I don't know what to do about it. What are some solid tools that someone who is an empath, someone who's sensitive and who's feeling very overwhelmed right now, what can they do on a day-to-day basis that can maybe help alleviate some of these feelings, help them to feel more recharged, more refreshed, and just navigate their feelings? Um, So I want to make sure that I touch on 
that there is no quick fix with this because a lot of the things or tips that I can give you, like I said, it takes consistency and you have to be persistent with the consistency. And some of them will feel off and you may not think that it's working, but you should just have to stick to it. And we're all individuals and we're all unique. So what works for me may have to be tweaked a little bit by you for you to feel that release or relief. That being said, a few things, uh, non-negotiable self-care and then reactive self-care. So we have our non-negotiable that we do every single day. And I can tell you what I do every day. I meditate and that is to create space to when energy comes in or thoughts happen that are disruptive to my peace. I'm meditating every day so I can create space to notice and then respond differently. So when I meditate or when we meditate, um, I know early on when I started to meditate, I thought I have to keep my mind quiet. I have to push out all the thoughts. And if I'm thinking, I'm failing at meditation. But for an empath, it's more like when your mind comes up and it's like, hey, you got an itch, scratch that itch. Come on, scratch that itch. And you're like, no, 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 I'm not going to scratch that itch. Let those thoughts happen and then just watch them, right? Watch them and kind of navigate and soothe your body to just remain calm and watch. Because when we're out in the world and we notice energy, that's the key to absorbing it and not absorbing it. Because you can notice it and feel it in your body. But the moment we add thought to it, it becomes ours. Because now you've owned it. Now you're judging it. Now you're wondering where it's coming from. Now you're wondering why you feel it. Now you're wondering how to get rid of it. So as soon as you start to add thought and dialogue to whatever you're feeling, you own it. And now it's your responsibility to let it go. So when we're out in the world and we're noticing energy, especially if it's people that we're not connected to and are not really in a deep conversation with, and or it could be we're in a deep conversation, I would say like, you want to imagine that you have a big hollow tube in the middle of your, you can say gut or solar plexus in that area. And the goal is to just notice and let it float on through, right? So like, oh, I'm noticing sadness. It's not mine. It's not mine. Just let it go. So I meditate. I journal every single morning because a lot of times the energy that I will pick up in a day will remind me or trigger something within me that still needs my attention. So I journal to work through that. So if we can think of the energy that we are picking up and perceiving, and anytime we have an internal reaction to that, think of it as like an invitation to go deeper into your own healing, which then will you will begin to flower into who you've always been, but it's been blocked by pain, trauma, stagnant energy that you've been holding for so long. I move my body, and now movement is different than exercise. I also exercise, but movement can be just dancing to your favorite song or taking a walk. Energy wants to move. We all know that on a scientific level. Like We have to move our bodies to move the energy. Again, now our bodies are the conduit to everything that we feel, so we have to take care of that vehicle. So if we're not nourishing ourselves, if we're not moving, if we're not being kind to ourselves through our thoughts, we're not going to be able to manage that energy. Just like when we're better or when we're healthy and our immune system is strong, we're going to be able to take on a cold better, right? Same mm-hmm. thing, right? So we want to care for our body. So those are my non-negotiables. Um, I also make sure that I ground. 
And I can do that through meditation. I can do that through visualizations. I can do that by walking to the mailbox with my shoes off um, on the grass. But grounding is really important for an empath because we can spend a lot of times, a lot of time in our head or in like the spiritual realm of like, oh, just escape. I want an escape out of my body. Grounding brings us back into our body because a lot of us, especially if we find out we're empaths later in life, 20s, 30s, 40s, we've been detached from our bodies for a long time because mm-hmm. our bodies is where we where we feel everything. So I know personally, I was detached from my body by the time we got into middle school. So grounding helps us come back, right? Because we can't process and let go of the energy if we're not even noticing it. Mm-hmm. And it's in our body, Right. And then we have reactive, which is you're doing all the proactive stuff, but you're still going to an event that's going to have 150 people and you know you're going to be noticing some things, picking up on some things when you're there. So that could be taking breaks. That can be, there's a couple, well, I guess I'll share one, just noticing your own energetic field. Eckhart Tolle talks about it in Power of Now, I think is the book. But it's like noticing your energetic field in the palms of your hands is the easiest way. and when you're starting to notice that you're watching other people and really tuning into what they're feeling, you want to bring your attention back to your own energetic field. You can do that by feeling the energy in your palms. You can also do that by saying things in your mind like, I'm wearing an orange sweater or I have brown hair. You're bringing your focus back to your being. Reactive self-care, breath work. You can breathe through it. You can visualize um, when you're in an event that you have roots coming out the bottoms of your feet. You imagine the energy just draining out of your body. Also the hollow hole in your belly, you can imagine the energy just leaving. So you have proactive and then reactive self-care. I love that. Those are amazing tips. I really like how you brought up just working through the journaling and the trauma and and noticing when that's maybe something that's triggering something in you. And I think a lot of people don't realize that sometimes when you go through a spiritual awakening or you're starting to become more aware of who you are as a person, it's not easy. A lot of shadow work Mm -hmm. is required and shadow work is hard. It's not just like, oh, you go through this spiritual awakening and everything is amazing and I see things for what they are all of a sudden. Like, no, this shit is hard. When I started to go through my recognizing of like, oh, I know what an empath is. I'm no wonder why I've been overwhelmed. No wonder why I, it just made sense. I finally had a word. It was like getting a diagnosis for something. It's like, okay, I finally understand I'm not broken. This is why I am the way that I am. But when I started working through some of those traumas, even things that I never thought were issues, like my grandfather passed away when I was 17. And my, this is my dad's dad. My mom bought a house with my dad's dad. My father was not around, just not a good dad at all, you know, just absent. And my grandfather, quiet guy, but a good guy, always wanted to do the right thing for other people. But I was I was kind of a shitty teenager. You know, I I did some wild stuff. I was a wild child. I, you know, I didn't really treat him the greatest when I was a teen. My mom moved me and her to Florida when I was about 14, 15. He didn't want to go. And by the time I was 17, he passed away. So I've carried this guilt of mm. not not being there for him, leaving him there. Even though I know now I was I was a kid, I really didn't have much uh, you know autonomy at that time, but I carried right. this guilt of what if I would have stayed? What if I would have just told him, "Grandpa, please come with us." Maybe he would have. What if I would have just expressed myself more? 
I'm trying not to get teary eyed, but I, I think yeah. I thought about this for so long and I carried it with me. And when I went through this journey of understanding who I was, I had to sit down and I'm like, I'm going to write a letter to him, even though obviously he's mm-hmm. not here, but I wrote that letter and I just let it all out. I said, I'm sorry. I, I wish I would have been there. And as I was writing, I went, went back and read the letter and I was dumbfounded at kind of what came out. And it was almost therapeutic and it was almost guidance to me, you know, maybe connecting with my higher self, maybe even connecting with him, maybe connecting with my guides. I don't know. But it was so therapeutic to just get it out. And I had no idea that I needed that. And I think when you go through spiritual awakenings, you go through really finding out who you are. It's so important to process these traumas and these hurts. And forgiveness is not for the other person. It's for you. Now, sometimes it can be Mm -hmm. great for the other person, but it's really for your own healing. So I love that you brought that up. Now, talking about protecting your energy, because that's Mm -hmm. something a lot of people have no idea what to do. You mentioned the, the white light, but sometimes when we meet people... And I know for empaths, we know, or there's something in our gut that's telling us that there's something off with the person. How does somebody trust that? How do you know when to trust it? Because I know we tend to attract a lot of narcissists at times or people that need a lot of healing. For me, I have in my lifetime probably more than I would like to count. How do you find that an empath can best protect themselves from toxic people or toxic situations? Oh, wow. It's so multifaceted um, because it really does depend on where you're at in terms of acceptance of your sensitivity, what would complicate this situation and the dynamics in terms of um, a highly sensitive empath and a narcissist is self-acceptance and codependency. Because if there's any codependency, any traits of codependency or tendencies, you're going to be more apt to kind of see the best or try to fix. Another thing is like, if we have really big hearts, we may want to see the best in someone. We second guess ourselves like, oh, I'm just being, I'm just judging, you know, I'll give them another chance. So how do we begin to trust that our gut by following our gut? And there's no other way around it. Yes, there might be times that we we're like, oh, this doesn't feel right for me. And we kind of back away from a person. And then we might find out in the future that, oh, wow, they were actually a really good person. But the only way to build back self-trust is to start following and just be okay with sometimes you're going to make mistakes, but sometimes you won't, right? But that's the only way we can do it. It's just like building any other muscle. We're going to have to start lifting the weight and making the taking the risks and making heart decisions and soothing ourselves. But in terms of, I'm not one of those people that believes we are destined to be in toxic relationships. I don't believe that we attract narcissists. Um, I don't believe that whatsoever. What I do believe is that we do have big hearts. We can give people more chances than they deserve because of that. A lot of empaths do struggle with codependency, and that's a dynamic that would weave itself really well into that dynamic of a narcissist and an empath. And a lot of empaths, because of codependency, have very weak boundaries, if, if none. Mm-hmm. So boundaries are what bring the takers in and why the takers stay. It's really easy to point outward and say, you're a narcissist, but... If we had really healthy boundaries, 
and a really good foundation in terms of how we see ourselves and the value we put on ourselves, we would not let them stay. And it doesn't mean that we're wrong or weak. It's just we all, all of us have things to work on. True narcissism is diagnosed in less than 1% of the population. That word is thrown around like it's some common thing. We it can is. all have narcissistic traits, right? Yes. So the this generation of selfies or um, this hyper-focus on self, on social media, I mean, mm-hmm. this is breeded, you know, a, a perfect ground for uh, narcissistic traits. But we can all have those little traits when we lack sleep, when we're triggered, when we are feeling insecure. So we have to be really careful with labeling someone as a narcissist because it's very, very rare. But again, someone with narcissistic traits has unhealed trauma and it shows up a certain way. And someone who's codependent also has unhealed trauma and it shows up a certain way. And certain dynamics work better together, you know, to keep them both in their wounded space, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like that trauma bond. I I agree. Yep. Following your intuition is is important, but it's hard. I think for yeah. um, a lot of empaths or just highly sensitive people are very intuitive. I don't know about you, but I've I've been I've always been quite intuitive. I'm assuming that you probably yeah. are pretty intuitive yourself. Yeah. And mm-hmm. most of us are, you know, most empaths are just highly in tune with other people, whether you believe it's from a spiritual standpoint, whether it's because of past trauma, whatever the case is, we're highly attuned to other people. I can guarantee right. you that if you look back at any toxic situation or person that you've come into contact with, your intuition said something's wrong. I can bet you, if you're if you're listening and you are yeah. an empath, your gut said something's not quite right, but because we're compassionate, because we... we want to see the good in people, we understand, we tend to give them more chances than probably what we should. And I love how you said you have to just trust your intuition. Sometimes you're going to get it right. There might be times where you get it wrong, but your intuition is always going to lead you in the right direction. Man, if I could go back (laughs) and tell you the time that I I had a situation where my intuition is like, you need to run, not walk. You need to run the other way. I would have saved myself quite a few years, but now I've gotten so much better and uh, it saves me a lot of time. It really does. But how does someone trust their intuition? Yeah. Do they just do it? What does it feel like for you? I'm curious. So when your intuition is telling you something's off, does it physically manifest for you? Do you just, is it like an inner knowing? So um, I'll have those moments like all of us do. Now, again, remember, this is how well we actually are connected to our bodies. If we're still out of our bodies and in our head, then we're going to miss most of these little uh, twinges. But I'll get those moments where I just know um, in my gut. It's like, oof, okay, this doesn't feel right. Um, And then I'll have moments where I get a a guiding voice, so it'll come through uh, an audible. But also, if if I'm making a big decision, let's say I get a lot of people emailing me asking me to be part of something or join something or promote something for them. And so most of the times, if I don't get the, uh, and this isn't for me, Um, Like I have one right now where I'm still kind of stewing it over. I'm like, okay, is this a good fit for me? I make sure I told the other person, I I always ask 
right? There's a boundary in terms of my time. I've made it a habit not to make snap decisions. So I always make sure I say something like that up front to give myself the space to tune in. Your intuition is communicated through your body. So I know what yes feels like in my body and I know what no feels like in my body. So I did this years ago through practice daily consistent practice, which is why in my Empath Morning Ritual Journal, I have intuition exercises. But if I sit quietly and almost like a meditative state, and I'm just tuning into, and and my yes is to come into my throat area. So from here to here is where I feel truth for me. So if I ask a question, like, is is this the right fit for me? And I tune in, truth feels lighter. It almost feels like a butterfly kind of fluttering. Um, It feels like space where in that same area, if it's not a fit, it feels dense, almost like a square, like a rectangle of dense energy, heavier. So I can tune into my body for yeses and nos. And that's with everything. So it doesn't matter if I have an entire US government telling me I need to do something. I'm going to (laughs) tune into my... And this isn't judging anyone for anything that they did. I'm just saying, I know, and we all know Mm -hmm. what is the right move for us. And that's how I tune into it. So um, yeah, so it shows up differently, but mostly I'll get that, like they call it the gut instinct, where it's just like, Mm -hmm. I know. Sometimes I'll get the voice where it'll say, that's not the right, or it'll say, do this. And I always talk about years ago, I think it was like, maybe six or seven years ago now, Atlanta had a huge snowstorm. And the meteorologists were talking about it, but it was like, eh, you know, whatever. It might snow, might not. I was, uh, the governor wasn't really doing anything about it. Nobody had ordered roads treated or anything like that. And it was, I don't know what time it was, probably 12, maybe noon. And I started to get this weird feeling, like something's up. And I called my, my daughter's school and the front office woman answered and I said, hey, are kids going home? You know, and I'm thinking she's going to say yes, you know. She's like, no, 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 nobody's leaving. Um, We're not worried about the storm. And I'm like, okay. I hung up the phone and right right away the voice said, go get your kids. And I was like, all right. So I hopped in my car and within 10 minutes I was driving in a full blizzard and I was going 10 miles an hour. I got my kids home just in time, but within an hour the freeways were deadlocked Children slept in school buses. Children slept in their gyms at school because the lights, electricity went out. Nobody could get on the roads to get their children. Yeah. So those are two main ways. And it may show up differently for you and for other people. It can show up in visions. Yeah. But it all shows up within our bodies. If we're not connected, we're going to miss it. I love that. That, That's so powerful. It gives me goosebumps. I, I have similar patterns that you do. Um, it shows up for different ways. I don't hear audible, but I do hear a lot of frequencies. So you're you're very psychic. And for me, I have I talk about this on previous episodes. I have like really keen psychic abilities when it comes to men's bullshit. <laughs> Just like, <laughs> nice. I'll, That's a good one to have. I'll, it's it's really my superpower. And um, I I will know things before they happen sometimes. And and even when it comes to certain specific things with that person, like the like one guy I was dating. I'm like, something's with the ex-girlfriend. Come to find out she was still the girlfriend. Um, I knew I was, I knew right before I got COVID because I recently had COVID about two weeks ago. I knew I was going to get it. 
I knew about two days before and I'm like, I'm about to get sick. Something's about to happen. I don't know what it is, but something's about to happen. Within two days, I got COVID. Um, Similar feelings when I'm around someone, especially when it's a man, for some reason with men, um, I get this really almost sick feeling in my solar plexus and I feel like I want to cry. It'll happen out of nowhere. There's nothing that triggers it. And that's when I know. And, and and it took me a long time to figure out that's what it was. But now when it happens, I'm like, damn, damn, I was hoping that this would be a good one. And so I usually bust out my tarot cards. I'll ask and then I'll see the seven of swords or the devil. And I'm like, God damn, man, can I just, can you just send me a good one? <laughs> so I, like, like you, I get these really weird feelings, but I love that you get these, that you're so tuned in. And I think, you know, whether if you're an empath, you, everyone has to understand we all have psychic abilities. We all have them. To, yeah. Everyone's got different levels of them. But when you start to understand your body, when you start to really tune in to what does it feel like when you're around certain people, what does it feel like when you look back hindsight when something negative happened, you'll probably find that your body was giving you little like cues and little, you know, little ideas to say, hey, something yeah. is not not right. Um, what about your kids? Do you find that your children are highly impacted? as well? Or do you find that it's it's more on your side? My daughter, interesting enough, is my son, we thought, well, he's highly sensitive. And he was very highly sensitive. Now that he is older, he's like, no, I'm not, mom. You know, I'm not highly sensitive. He's still, but he's coming into like his, he's just turned 14. So he's grown so much in the last year and a half. And he's kind of in this phase where, you know, he's a Boy, you know, he's a young man. Um, so he, but he is still very tender around certain things, animals and um, how people feel. And my daughter, when she was younger, was more, had the more of like hyper energy. And um, she was, she's extroverted. And so when I watched her when she was younger, I thought, oh, well, she's, you know, she's not, she's an extrovert. She's, not like me. I thought maybe she was more like her dad. But now that she's a little bit older, she's very highly sensitive. And I think she's just a highly sensitive person who's extroverted. And so when she was younger, I missed that, right? Mm. Because um, like I said, when she, when the kids were younger, I was so drained all the time. So her her extroverted energy felt more of like a threat to me because I didn't, I didn't know how to manage my inner world or what was going on energetically when she was always wanting to go, 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 go. And I'm just like, I just, I need to just sit here. Right. So yeah, I think my daughter is more highly sensitive and we'll see what happens with my son. Right. When that, when the hormones start to balance out again, we'll see. So I I know for, for some listening and I have some clients that some of their kids or their child is very highly sensitive and they're figuring out how to Mm -hmm. manage it. What advice would you have for a parent who is maybe dealing with a very highly sensitive child and they're trying to navigate, whether they're an empath or not, but maybe they know. My my kid is maybe even psychic. They are um, very, very in tuned with energy. I don't know what to do as a parent. What guidance would you have for them? Number one is model for them what it looks like to take care of yourself when you're a highly sensitive person. Oh. Yes. So whether the parent is highly sensitive or not, the way that you care for yourself as a highly sensitive person, if you really want to thrive, is not going to do you any harm to model that for your child. So also they need to hear that it's okay to feel 
that their feelings are never wrong and they're Mm -hmm. safe to talk about their feelings with you. And on the flip side of that, their feelings are never wrong and they don't have to discuss their feelings with everyone, right? So they can save some for people that are, now we wouldn't say this word to a child, but as adults, we understand like your inner circle that's safe, right? Mm -hmm. You want to make sure you're sharing your feelings and the big stuff that's going on with people that are going to hold space and not use that against you. So they need to know that it's okay. And as a parent too, and I can say this because when my son was younger, he would get very overwhelmed at, like I do, um, at Thanksgiving (laughs) or bigger holiday events when we have so many people in the house and different personalities and different energy levels and the noise level and everything else, that he would retreat And he would either go in our bedroom or he would go up into his room and he would close the door. For those who don't understand that highly sensitive temperament, they want to chase him down, ask him what's wrong, get in his space, get in his face. It's okay. Tell me what's wrong. Give me a hug. So making sure that we can create an environment and whether we need to communicate it, we do need to communicate it, that just give them the space and just say, I'm here when you're ready to talk, you know? I'm here when you're ready to talk and give them, you know, that space to be in their body when they need to. So yeah, those are my top mm-hmm. ones. Those are There's powerful. so many. Those those are I yeah. mean, those right there are such yeah. key. I think creating space, there's so much power in that because we are used to them being children, especially when they're getting, if you're dealing with a teenager, we're used to them being kids. We're used to being the main person to be there for them, to hold them, to pick them up when they're crying. All of a sudden, they have all this autonomy. And our first instinct is to be like, do you need anything? What do you need? Let's talk. No, talk to me. Talk to me. Talk to me. Talk to me. And sometimes they just don't want to talk. (laughs) And it's okay. And and, in creating that space, I think those are really, really amazing tips because I definitely have some clients that are dealing with um, children who are just highly sensitive and they they have no idea what to do. Another right. thing, I was just doing some reading about you. And uh, another thing, I, reason why I say we have a lot in common is I noticed that you love to travel. And I am love. very, very much a traveling, I have the traveling bug. And I, I think I saw on one of your top places was Ireland. And mm-hmm. that's one of my favorite places. Why is that? Why, why is traveling so important to you? What is it about traveling that makes you so happy or feel grounded? You know what? Just the energy of this question makes me happy. Like, Mm -hmm. because I just, my most desired feeling is freedom. Mm -hmm. Freedom. So travel for me is freedom. And not just travel, but where I choose to travel to. The Mm -hmm. energy that I'm traveling to. um, And I'm very intentional with where I go. I usually take my big trips in the fall because I like the energy of fall. I like the falling away. I like the idea that after fall, um, there's rest and then regrowth. Um, I like the colors of fall. So I usually take my big trips in October. And I'm a person like this past October, we went to Alaska. And then October, we went to Ireland in October. We go to Iceland. But the places I go are mountains and nature and expansiveness. Mm -hmm. And like you could get lost in Mm -hmm. just the hills or the water or the glaciers. It's freedom for me. Yeah. 
Me too. I So I've been to Iceland. Yeah. I've been to Ireland. Like all these places you're naming are my favorite places in the world. Something about yeah. Ireland for me, I don't know if I've had past lives there or what it is, but it feels like home. I literally yeah. will cry thinking about it because it was just, you know, me and my daughter was our first big trip. We rented a car. Thank God that I figured out how to drive. <laughs> It's, for anyone that's ever driven on the left side of the road, oh man, it's hard, especially oh in gosh. Ireland. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a challenge. But it is one of my favorite trips, and I will never, ever, for the rest of my life, forget those memories. Iceland was another place. It was just, it's just like a freedom. It's the autonomy of being able to go somewhere. And I think for me, I would encourage anyone listening. You know, people think like, oh, well, what if you don't have the money to travel? Well, you know, you can create that place. You choose where you go, whether it's an hour away, whether it's halfway across the world, whether it's on the other side of the world. You know, there are things that you can do to create those spaces or those places for yourself where you feel the most freedom. But if you have the ability to travel, girl, go get that passport. Go get it. Make that yeah. trip. There are so many different ways that you can do, and it is for an empath. It's so freeing, and it will will yeah. change your life. So I I'm so on tune with you with that because for me, it's like that's where I feel like my my best version of myself. What is for you something that maybe you wish someone told you when you were starting your empath journey or before you knew what an empath was? Now. I can say, what do I wish someone told me back then? But I can pretty much guarantee that I wouldn't have listened back then (laughs) because I think everything happens in its divine time. But back then, if I could have said something or someone could have told me something and if I would have listened, I would have wanted someone to say, forget everything that anyone has told you about who you are, what you're going to do. Just forget it all. Because everything I was told about myself fogged up the truth of what I was experiencing. Because I had lost my sense of worthiness, my sense of self-trust. And because of that, every day I lived in overwhelm. Because I just thought that if this is what I'm experiencing and no one else gets it, I didn't even feel safe enough to say, this is what I'm feeling. So I felt like, oh, I'm just a burden, right? So if, if I could have just figured out a way to just take something, to forget about everything anyone had told me about myself, but I know that's not possible. You have to unlearn it. Yeah. And that's hard. And that's hard to unlearn things that yeah. maybe mm-hmm. your parents have told you your entire life. But I think that's powerful. And I and I hope that people listening, you know, take you've you've dropped so many good gems. And I, I hope that people can take that and maybe start making changes today to empower themselves or fill up their cup more. Now, I know you have a book that's out. It's called The Healed Empath. You're working on the Audible right now. Tell me about the yeah. book. Why Why did you want to write the book? And what, what are your goals for it? I know that the Audible is hopefully going to be coming out um, soon here and you're working on that. We were chatting a little yeah. bit about that before we started. <laughs> so tell me about yeah. your book and where can people find it? Yeah, great. So my book is basically, it brings together not just my journey, but what I think can aid other empaths and highly sensitive people who are navigating that space of like having their own traumas, but also wanting to be that empowered empath and kind of navigating those two journeys at the same time, healing while simultaneously empowering yourself and separating that 
hypersensitivity from our beautiful innate sensitivity. So it has all kinds of tools and tips and guided meditations. Oh, yeah. So the book came out in February. You can find it pretty much anywhere. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, all kinds of bookstores all over the world. Um, you might find a little bookstore where you live that you, you know, you can, so you can go into a little store instead of online. Um, but yeah, doing a, an internet search will find the book closest to and you. we'll link it. So. Yeah. Well, I'm going to link yeah. it for everybody. Yeah. I That's so exciting. I can't wait for the Audible to come out because I, I can sit down and, and, and read a book, but I know how I am and the likelihood of me finding time to actually sit down and finish the book is yeah. highly unlikely. So I'm an audible girl. So for those of you that yeah. are like, I would rather listen to her voice. I love her voice right now while it's coming out. She's going to have the audible coming out soon. And yeah. you do workbooks too, right? So I, I heard you mention earlier that you have like workbooks that you created. And so tell me a little bit about your workbooks, because I think that's really fascinating, especially for those that maybe don't feel comfortable going to a therapist, but maybe they want to work through some of their own traumas and oh, their sure. own, and own stuff. Yeah. I have the um, the Empath Morning Ritual journal, journal that I created because it's what I use every morning. So you can download on my on my website. I also have some energy workbooks. I'm trying to remember all the ones I have. They're all linked on my website. I know I have some meditations, Oh, releasing shame. I have a workbook on releasing shame. And then I have some mini courses on nervous system 101, thriving in relationships. <laughs> There's so many. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're literally the empath guru. That's <laughs> what I'm going to call you. You're just, you're going to be the empath guru because you just, you have so many amazing resources. And I love offering people resources. That's the social worker in me. You know, I want people to have yeah. concrete ways that they can work through some of their, their challenges. I don't like to call them problems. We're going to call them challenges. And, you know, so sure. they Sure. learn more about themselves. So I just want to thank you so much for your time and your energy and just dropping all of these gems. This conversation was so insightful. I'm going to go back and listen to it because I think I learned even more about myself. <laughs> and I know people listening are going to get so much out of it. And so I just want to humbly thank you for your time and your energy and for coming on. Well, thank you. It's been lovely. I've loved being here. Great. Thank you so much. 